welcome to the Top Order Podcast. On tonight's episode, we are in cricket kit badger heaven as we speak to batmaker to the stars, Josh Gavin. Having started his obsession with cricket bats back in 2012, his workshop has seen cricketing stars from across the world make a beeline to Sydney to utilise his expertise. From Dre Russ to Chris Gale, Joe Root to Aussie legends Shane Watson and Steve Smith, JP boasts an impressive clientele. And none more so than his 2022 signing, Elise Perry, who will be using his kit this year. JP, welcome to the Top Order podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, so look, you'll have sensed the excitement in in my voice. I am a cricket bat tragic. So um, remember my first uh, first cricket bat vividly, um, a little brand out of Birmingham in the UK called Quaif and Lily. It was a um, a grown-up's bat that was kind of chopped off so I could use it as probably a size three or something like that. Um, and then um, I lived in the area where Duncan Fernley was pretty big as, as a youngster. So um, he got a lot of my dad's money over the course of my formative um, years. But we wanted to talk, you know, a, a number of different things. But I, I think the first thing is just a little bit of an intro. What got you into uh, I guess, cricket bats, you know, what What did you have growing up and, and how did you start your, your business, your passion? What did I have growing up? That's a good one. I, I think I had a couple of uh, junior Slasinger bats. They used to be well known for, for good junior kits, so I had plenty of them. Um, the story goes, though, that my dad made me take my first bat down to cash converters and sell it for 10 bucks. so I no longer have that one. Someone else has that. Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, look, I, I started when I was 16. I started the business quite young. Obviously, I was in high school. So um, it was just uh, a passion for cricket, and I played a lot. Um, I played since I was eight, so sort of just built from there. And obviously, I've built the business quite slowly um, and organically. It's sort of just been a, a hobby, uh, and that's genuinely what it is. It's just a hobby for me that has developed um, through uh, – a lack of Australian bat makers really um, to a, a full-time job where I've now had uh, guys on board that helped me out uh, in the shop. Uh, we're still in our original location uh, near Bondi in Sydney. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'd sort of um, taught myself bat making most of the time. I did um, a couple of weeks of work experience over in India. Uh, they sort of taught me uh, a little bit about bat repairs and I don't use a lot of that knowledge anymore, but it's sort of gave me a good little base to sort of work on um, and learn a little bit about cricket bats. I guess going back to, to when I was growing up, there was heaps and heaps of small independent bat makers, particularly in the UK where I'm from. You've probably seen that, that dwindle a, a little bit and the, the bigger brands come in. What, what's been the impact, do you think, on the industry from that? perspective over the course of the last you know i guess five or ten years yeah look it's a hard one right where um english willow is um a tough thing to get your hands on especially in australia uh, i feel like in the uk there are still strong small bat makers um willow's grown locally so it's a lot more easy to get your hands on but in australia we're one of five moderately sized bat makers so um it's it is quite a niche market for us, and I feel like that's where we've done quite well actually. Um, finding a little hole in the market there, where you know there's all these big guys, and um, we sort of slot in with the customer service that we can provide to individual customers. They can come in and actually talk to someone who makes bats. So um, I, I know it's quite big over in the UK. I know it's still quite strong there, which is great. Um, 
There are the odd bat makers popping up in Australia, which I think is absolutely fantastic. I think it's absolutely needed. It's needed more locally uh, for, you know, a lot of club cricketers. Um, they need to go to their bat maker. I look at it like a dentist. You, you go to the dentist and, you know, get your teeth checked up once a year. Um, but question for you guys, do you reckon you spend more on the, your teeth or your cricket bats? Uh, well, look, I guess I'm British, so definitely more on my cricket bats. You know, we're not renowned for our dentistry in the in the UK. Um, so, yeah, de- definitely be cricket bats for me. Lippy, I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a bowler, so I'm more of a passenger in this conversation. So, so Stu looks like he's, he's disappeared. Uh, Josh, we'll just kind of jump in in terms of, I guess, the impact of um, these massive bits of willow now. And, and look, you'll know more about the technical components of this than I will but and um, the size of the bats is often something now that you hear talked about on commentary w- what are some of those modern trends and, and you know what are you seeing in terms of the impact of the quality of cricket bats on, on the game and um, the way we're seeing you know these kind of top edges just fly 100 meters yeah well there's obviously a lot of different things that come in there um, it's, it's a tough question for me because I've around bat making for 10 years so i started where that technology had already developed um but for me what i can see when repairs come through and stuff like that is that um the bats are obviously bigger than they used to be um they tend to be lighter because of different techniques bat makers are using to one dry them out and then two to shape them um there's quite a shift towards obviously having big light bats and that makes a better bat uh, it doesn't quite last as long. Um, I feel like I try and manufacture a little bit in the old way, um, but uh, there is a draw to making big cricket bats that sort of perform a lot better. Um, in terms of top edges, though, I think batters are actually swinging faster. Uh, I think that's a big, big one. Um, and boundaries are pulled in a little bit as well. So there's a little bit of, like, absolutely everything in that. Um I know uh, there was a lot of um, records broken a few years ago when they changed the ODI rule to have four outside the ring at the end of the innings. So um, scoring was a lot quicker and a lot easier. Um, Not exactly down to the bats, but bats play uh, a a part in that for sure because if you get your hands on, you know, the lightest uh, piece of wood that performs really well, it's just it makes the game that much easier for, for someone at the top level. And trends kind of emerge, I guess, in, in the way that, you know, bats are made, how they look. What are the bat nerds that are coming into your workshop asking for now in terms of um, specifications or any little um, any little nuances? I've noticed one thing is this like little donut at the top of the bat handle where people are using that kind of counterbalance. But yeah, any other kind of really geeky things that, you know, that these purists are wanting in their, in their willow now? Uh, not particularly. I, I, I see a lot of different types of clients where everyone wants something that's individual. And that's probably the trend now that someone wants, uh, everyone wants something that looks a bit different to what their mates use. Um, and I feel like everyone comes in and, and has their little idea of what the best bat's going to be. They will use, you know, my knowledge and my bat making experience to sort of get the best product for them. Um, but it, yeah, everyone's using something a little bit different. I think that's great. I think everyone plays a little bit differently. Um, what you mentioned there with the the knob on the handle, that was um, pretty common, uh, made famous 
by Brendan McCullum, I believe. That's the first time I can sort of remember that. Um, uh, not, I haven't seen his bats personally, so I can't tell exactly what it was, but uh, we have a little technique in the shop that we just cut up grips into little uh, strips and put them over each other so they uh, uh, make that knob at the top. Um, the grip, the, the final grip goes over the top of it um, and it acts as that counterbalance. Um, good for certain types of players. You've got to hold the bat quite low towards the shoulders for that to work. If you hold it quite high up, you actually need um, a smaller knob at the top so you can actually hold it properly. Everyone's a little bit different. There's there's nothing uh, I can put my finger on that people really like, other than sort of big, light, full bats. That's it. How much experimentation are you doing in the in the workshop there? Like, um, I don't know. Like, we've I'm just thinking about things that I've I guess seen. I've seen like you know we saw the mongoose for a little while, like the cut down bats, and then there's bowed bats, flat shoulders, flat toes. Like, are you kind of testing out all that stuff in, in your workshop? I think my favourite one, we made a few baseball-type bats um, a few years ago when I was in lockdown, real bored. We do the odd little bit of innovation. Um, I think the, the short blade long handle is here to stay. I think that's something that um, most brands have moved towards now. It's only it's only 10 mil and it's something that you can't really notice. So um, I feel like it's a, it's a good nuance to get a little bit of weight out. Um, but yeah, we, we tried um, some bats uh, based on other sports uh, because I was bored. And yeah, baseball was one of them because obviously um, a low loaded bat um, with a domed profile that has a wide hitting area um, has that power of that baseball bat, you know, like the, the, the domed bottom where it has uh, power all the way through the bottom two thirds probably. Uh, we sold a few of them. I haven't heard back from the clients. Hopefully, they like their bats. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, we do. We do play around a little bit. Um, we do use other people's ideas sometimes when class, uh, customers come in and they sort of have their way of making. Um, we sort of jump on there, and um, yeah, we can sort of make everything here, which is really nice. Tell us about your, I guess, your most pernickety customer, um, someone who re- you know really wanted every single detail. You obviously don't have to name them, but yeah. What, what's been, the, I guess, the strangest and most difficult uh, process you've gone through? Actually, I've, I've got a client at the moment who, who comes back maybe two or three times a year, um, loves his bats, um, but is uh, very picky with his handles. And he's got to the stage where he will shape his handles at home with a rasp um, and sort of like take nicks out of the handles so that he's like, fingers can fit in there properly and like it suits his sort of like um, underhand grip and like he just brings them in and gets me to just bind them and then off he goes. Um, there, there are certainly uh, clients out there that are quite finicky. Handles handles are a big one. Um, they've got to feel comfortable. Some people like them a very, very certain way. Some people like offset oval handles. So oval handles that don't sit uh, straight down the back of the spine, they're slightly offset so you can open your hands a little bit more uh, and get a little, little bit more power. Um, we also have these uh, squirrel grips, which are quite common around Sydney, uh, which are just grips, but they have uh, a thick line down the middle and you have to like glue these things on. Um, and they're, they're started as like a coaching aid, 
but now people start using we actually sponsor like three or four players that use these grips that have like um it's almost like putting a chopstick under your under your grip and it sort of just sits and your hands stay open um people can be finicky with weight balance absolutely everything um the pros know what they like and i really respect those guys because um they literally spend every day thinking about their bats and they have to because it's their profession um so when they come in they know exactly what they like and and you see i guess the the players line up with you know dozens and dozens of bats at times when they're you know they're getting the 12th man to come on how how similar are you know a, a top player's bats now do that do they look to have one shape one sort of weight and profile and they'll just have 10 of those in the kit bag or w- will they kind of you know mess around a little bit with the, the way their bat works for maybe different conditions or, or carry different weights and things like that in the kit bag yeah the guys i work with pretty much exactly the same they they like them all relatively similar um no real changes um you know the the saying is that they uh train like they play so all their bats need to feel the same uh naturally the the trick for me is that willow willow has different weights to it the the size can be the exact same the dimensions can be the exact same and the weight can be two or three ounces off so for me as a bat maker that's tricky to get the exact same shape and weight when they bring it in i have to go through the process of making sure they know that if they want the exact same weight the bats are going to be a little bit different um which is one thing in itself or if you want to go for the same shape the weight's going to be a little bit different so just playing around with that making sure the player knows um what their bats are going to be like and um yeah i get a good understanding from the players anyway they, they tend to know exactly what they're after so a lot of them come in and be like i need all these the exact same weight and I think I did one for one of the Aussie players um, where they brought in 10 or 15 bats or something silly where it was like, can you make all of these? I think it was about 11, 30 grams or something. It's super light. So all of them came down to that way. And I got them with like three grams of each other, which is absolutely nothing. That's that's a couple of shavings of sandpaper. Um, and got him exactly the same weight and then he came in six months later and i didn't see any of those bats so literally they went into the garage um and were never used again so one they they know what they like but they do change their mind a little bit uh from uh batch to batch some players get six bats at a time from their sponsors you know they'll use maybe one of them maybe one will go to a teammate maybe um, another's a net bat and the, the rest goes in the garage. So, um, yeah, it depends on, depends on the player a little bit. Keeping on the, I guess, the pro theme a little bit there. Um, in terms of, I guess, the, you know, the, the, the guys that are with the big bat manufacturers now, the big, the big brands, if I go back and I'm talking, you know, 25, 30 years ago, there were um, bat makers in the UK like Miller, Champ and Hall who were, you know, really, really well thought of. A lot of the players would go and get their bats, uh, you know, their bats from there and then just get them labelled up. Is that s- still something that happens? Are you are you kind of making bats from scratch for a lot of players and they'll just stick the, the sponsors' logos on? And I guess if that's the, the feeling, A, do, do they pay you for them? And, and B, how does that make you feel when, you, you know, your kit's going out to battle with the... Uh, uh, with a big brand logo on it we we do it a bit um but the, the the trick is that we don't do it for a lot of australian players they're actually pretty good with their sponsors um 
what happens usually is Big Bash comes around, the international players come over, um, and they're usually the guys who need um, bats. Either they're out of country and they need bats, or you know they just want to try something new. Um, and we're a relatively new company, and um, being from Australia, that you know, intrigued in what we do. So, um, yes, we do make blank bats. Uh, yes, the players do pay for them. Not a lot of Aussie guys, though. We do a lot of repairs for those guys. They they have really good sponsors that look after them. Um, most because Australia is a little bit smaller, uh, the state comp. There's only six teams, so it's a smaller playing pool. The sponsors can actually look after their players quite well. Um, there's not um, a huge amount of players that these sponsors look after. Some of the big brands only sponsor like 10 people, so um, they're able to provide good equipment, which is um, really good, but it means that we tend to make our bats for clients that um, are customers that walk in the shop from club cricket or junior cricket. We can work with them. Um, come Big Bash, though, we'll probably make a few blank ones that um, you don't know that are ours. Yeah, and we'll, we'll uh, yeah we'll be looking out um, for the profile when we're watching the the, the big uh, the big bash um, come Christmas time. Let, let's kind of move it back to I guess club cricket and you know the average punter like um, Stu or I. If we're you know going to go in and, and and have something made from scratch or pick something up off the shelf. What are the things that you think you should be looking for now when you're, yeah, when you're going out and buying a buying a cricket bat? Uh, yeah, look, the most important thing is performance. Um, it, the bat really needs to have a good performance on it. It's got a ping, as people say, and um, that tends to be the most important thing. The secondary to that, but not far behind, is um, how it feels to you as an individual. Um, it actually needs to feel perfect when you swing the bat. Um, a lot of people end up going in looking for a big bat that's, you know, whatever weight. But it, uh, the nature of cricket bats, um, there's uh, two natural products. One is the English willow and the other is the, the cane handle. Uh, both have uh, a variance of weight. So you could go into a shop and find a two-pound, nine-ounce bat. Um, but the blade is a lot lighter and the handle is heavier, which means it's going to balance quite well. Uh, and vice versa, you could have... A really light handle and a heavy blade and it weighs two nine but that's going to balance really badly so going to a shop you need to feel um what you're after or you need to go to a bat maker who knows what they're doing um and is able to create a balance that you need um but yeah if you're going to a shop make sure the bat pings make sure it feels good don't look at the size that well like it doesn't matter how big the bat is um it does matter that it performs. Um, in general, smaller bats won't perform as big uh, as well as bigger bats, but you got to test the performance. So you may find some thinner bats that perform and feel amazing, and some big bats that just are absolute dead. Um, we actually get a lot of weight reductions in our repairs um, for these big three-pound, six-ounce bats that people jump in the shop and they they see the size of them, they love them. Um, but absolutely impossible for anyone to use. Um, even someone like Chris Gale, he was using around three pound uh, when I last saw him. So uh, he's a big boy. He goes to the gym a lot. Um, uh, casual park cricketers uh, may not go to the gym uh, as much 
or have quite the talent. Um, so using something super heavy may not work out. And you lose a bit of bat speed and um, can't hit the ball as well. So uh, something that feels good, something that performs, and that's all I'd look for. Yeah, look, I doubt with the average park cricketer, it's too much about the gym. It is probably that inherent um, talent that's probably the top of that, um, but top of, top of that list. And um, talk to us a little bit about working with Elise Perry. What, what's it like to, I guess, develop a range with a with a professional cricketer, and what kind of input do they have in, into your business and and the kind of things that you might put out through the workshop for the for the average cricketer as well? Pez is one of the greats. She's genuinely one of the best players um, that have ever played the game in men's or women's cricket. So uh, absolute privilege for us to get her on board, um, especially as a small independent bat maker. Um, when she, look, we approached her, but she was absolutely keen from get-go to, to um, come on board. Um, and we gave her the option to develop her own range. And, you know, that hasn't come out yet, but that's coming out soon. Um, and it's going to be absolute cracker. Um, I've been involved with her in the development of it, um, and we feel like um, we're nailing down. Um, I've got to be careful what I say here, but um, look, the it's going to be really cool what she's brought out. But in terms of her equipment, um, I've actually repaired her bats for the last five years, so I have a good little grasp on what she needs as a player. Um, and I've watched a lot of um, cricket in general and women's cricket included because we sponsor a lot of the female players through WBBLs. Um, and we have a couple of other Australian players um, sponsored by us and we make bats for them. So um, watched a lot of Elise and understand her game. And um, she's actually quite good. She knows pretty much exactly what she's after in her bats and the other equipment that she uses as well. Awesome. And look, closing question from, from us, um, also wanting to get a little bit of a, a tip for the junior cricketer. I know I've got my little, uh, my 12-year-old son will be um, knocking at my door very shortly to get his new piece of willow for the, the upcoming season. Any tips out there for younger cricketers, what they should be looking for and perhaps for their parents uh, as well? Uh, weight is key. Weight is absolutely key. Um when you go to buy a kid's bat, um, a kid can drive any sort of weight. It, it w really won't matter. Where the interest and the, the key comes in is where you play cross-bat shots. And really important in junior cricket, you're playing synthetic pitches. They bounce a lot. Um, your kid's going to be playing cross-bat shots. They're going to be pulling and hooking and cutting because the ball bounces more. Um, and to be successful at that sort of junior level and development stage, that needs to be super light. Um, and parents fall into the trap of buying heavy bats for their kids. Um, it's really difficult because um, they can't pick it up and feel and use it. They've got to trust what the kid says, but they also don't really know what they're after. So um, getting them to play back foot shots at full pace uh, you've got to you know, make sure there's nothing around them so they don't hit anything, but full pace is key. And if there's any sort of resistance when they're playing their pool or hook shot, you've got to go down in weight. Um, the other one there is uh, handle thickness. You can get really thick handles for junior bats and they're just no good. Kids can't get their hands around it. So thin handles and uh, lightweight bats. Um, performance doesn't really matter at that stage when they're sort of developing. Um, it just needs to be light enough for them to be able to swing and hit the middle of the bat. Um, 
that's yeah, that's that's my advice. Awesome. And Josh, we've got listeners all around the world. So uh, primarily um, in New Zealand, obviously, as a New Zealand cricketing podcast. Tell our listeners, though, particularly all around the world and internationally, how they can get in touch with you. Um, I'm assuming, you, you know, you can have a bat made from anywhere in the world and, and shipped off to you if you know the specifications that you want. Yeah, so we're JP Gavin Cricket. You can jump on Instagram and, and follow us. But I'd also suggest looking up your local bat maker as well. Like we can ship anywhere in the world, but um, supporting your local bat maker is really, really important. Um, whoever they may be, um, you got to make sure they're good, firstly. Um, but yeah, I, I'd heavily um, ask you to check out your local bat maker really important to um, support that industry. Awesome. Well, Josh, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. I know we've got some thunderstorms here in New Zealand, which um, might be affecting Stu's um, internet by the, the looks of things. He's been frozen in the top corner of my screen pretty much all the way through. But look, it's been awesome talking uh, cricket um, cricket bats with you and would urge listeners to jump onto your Instagram and your website because it is like a veritable cricketing who's who um, the folks who dropped into your workshop, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, I like to Dre Russ, uh, Chris Gale, as well as former England and Australian captains um, galore. But Josh, a pleasure talking to you on the Top Order podcast. Thanks very much Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun.